page and Facebook page as well. I, I think that speaks so clearly of what we've been trying to say over the last few weeks, that we are better together. And we've been talking about this thing called community, and it's not easy. God did not call us to isolate. He called us to community. And you'll notice that when you came in, there was an insert in your program that uh, this blue little blue card, and let me just tell you what it says, not that I'm challenging your reading, but I want to remind you of it. It says, we are better together, and that's what we've been talking about for the last month. If you need some help getting connected to a group at Central, or if you just have some questions, give us some information, and we'll be in contact in the coming days. We know that some of you have been coming a long time, and you've come to worship, you've enjoyed it, but you've not connected in, in some community, and we want you to be able to do that, and maybe this is just a start. So at the end, where we'll be taking up the benevolence offering, you can just drop this in there. Maybe you're a guest and you're thinking, man, I know what you're saying. Uh, we've moved here. We've just not connected yet. Um, uh, and so we want to just do that so we can get back in touch with you. So I would encourage you to do that. There's two things before I open God's Word for just a few minutes as we prepare our hearts today, is that there's two things I want to encourage you about in your small group, whatever it may be, whether it's a ABF or a student Bible fellowship, or it, it is a um, men's group or ladies group, peace and comfort quilters, whatever it may be. There's two things that I want to encourage. Maybe it's a home group. Two things. Okay, you ready? Number one, this is where I challenged you with the beginning of our budget year, is that we are budgeting a certain amount of money, beginning with 50000 I'd love to see us have to go beyond that. But so your group can look within your sphere of relationships of your people. I don't want you thinking, oh, let's give it to Samaritan's Purse or let's give it to the North American Mission Board or something. I mean, you look in your sphere of relationships and you see maybe it's a single mom, maybe it's uh, uh, kids without a dad, maybe it's uh, a benevolent situation, whatever it may be, that you can help meet that need within your group, okay? We're not letting money stop us. So often we think, man, I'd love to do something, but we just... We can't come up with the money within our group. I think sometimes it's good for you to come up with the money within your group, but I want to challenge you to do that. Our group is going to be talking tonight about a situation that has uh, allowed us to step into that we're going to be helping out a, a single mom. And uh, so I don't want to just talk about it. I want to make sure our group is leading the way as well. So uh, I throw that out to you. So that's number one. Number two is this. I want to encourage you. In your Bible fellowship, in your small group, whatever it is, keep the concept open about having the empty chair mentality. In other words, instead of being a closed circle, be a horseshoe. Uh, uh, allow, allow for relationships to uh, progress. In other words, if you, if you have your Bible fellowship, keep an empty chair there as a reminder of maybe there's a neighbor or a workmate or a classmate or somebody that you're praying that will come to Christ and will come and sit in that chair. So, two things. Look for the service project in our community. Number two is think horseshoe, not closed circle, in how you can reach out to somebody else. And I want to, just for a couple of minutes, in preparing our heart, wrapping up this thing about communion, I'm going to be uh, saying some things out of John chapter 11. You don't have to go there because I'm not going to read it to you. I'm just going to kind of retell the story to you a little bit, okay? Jesus' ministry is at a height, and so uh, just just so that you know what is taking place, and all of a sudden, he, he, Jesus loved to go back to a town called Bethany. Bethany is a, is a place where he had three dear friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. 
They were siblings, um, two sisters, brother, and, and uh, they lived in Bethany. Jesus loved to go to Bethany. It was like that, that peaceful place for him. You know those places that you feel comfortable going to and you don't feel stressed out and this kind of stuff? He loved to go to Bethany. Well, he was not in Bethany at this time, and word got to him because Lazarus had gotten sick. Lazarus, we don't know what he had. We don't know what, what the illness was. We just know that he had gotten ill, and word got to Jesus that he was ill, and then word finally got to Jesus um, uh, that, he, that he had died. Now, the, the disciples thought maybe he was getting better because Jesus used the term, he has gone to sleep, but was a biblical way of saying he has, he has died. And so he said, let's go to Judea. But they waited two days before they left. You know, we, when there's an emergency for us, man, we're there automatically. We don't, we don't believe in delays, and sometimes God wants us to delay. And uh, so Jesus delayed in going, and th- he finally said, let's go down to Judea. Judea is down in that area where Jerusalem is, the southern part of Israel, and Bethany is just, uh, 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 actually, it's less than two miles from, from uh, Jerusalem down there. And uh, they're saying, no, they go down there, they're trying to kill you. And, and Jesus, Jesus says, well, those that work, work in the daytime, and troubles happen at night. I'm just telling you, I read the whole story, but that's not going to fit into to what, what's going on right now. But, but then this is Thomas. You know Thomas, who we call Doubting Thomas. He always gets that bad rap. He said this. He said, well, guys, let's go down there and just die with him. If he's going to die, we're going to follow him, die with him. I'm thinking, man, that's a man stepping up right there, and that's, that's uh, pretty powerful. And so they go traveling from the northern section, going down there to Bethany. And they're coming into Bethany, and uh, Martha and Mary, the, the surviving siblings... Uh, they hear he's coming. Martha, who is probably the older, gets up out of the house. She goes out to the edge of town where Jesus is, and this is the words out of her mouth. Master, if you would have only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. How many times do we pray that prayer? God, if you would just show up, this would have been different. And that's what she says. Master, if you would have just been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus gives her a theological discussion at this point. He says, listen, at the resurrection, he will be alive. I am the resurrection and the life. No one comes to the Father, you know, but through me. I mean, he's, he's laying that out to her. And uh, she hears that. And then she turns around. I don't, it's hard to see the whole story here. She leaves Jesus. And Jesus says he stayed out where, where they were. Martha goes back into the house and gets Mary. Now, Mary's the passionate one, okay? Have you got a sibling like that? Uh, are you? And, and uh, she was the passionate one. You may remember that there was the time Jesus was at the house and she came in and she broke this expensive perfume, which was her dowry that she would have taken into her marriage. She breaks it and she pours it over Jesus just as an act of worship. And she takes her hair and, and dries. I mean, she was passionate about her worship of Jesus. And, and she, Martha comes back in and Martha says this, listen, the master wants to see you. And so what does Mary do? She gets up and she runs out there, whereas Martha just kind of stood there and talked to Jesus. She falls at Jesus' feet, and she falls at his feet, and, and uh, she says this, the exact same thing Martha said. She said, Master, if you would have just been here, my brother would not have died. If you would have just been here. I know that's our cry so often, but that passionate plea came to Jesus, and Jesus said, you know, where is he? Whereas I thought this was interesting. 
Martha went out and had a discussion with Jesus that was more on an intellectual level. Mary came out in a passionate cry, and Jesus responded. And so Jesus says, where is he? And he said, he's in a cave. And then it says this, John eleven thirty five, 35, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. I thought, why did Jesus weep? He knew he could raise Lazarus. Did his heart just have compassion for what Mary had just done? I have to believe that, but, but someday we'll ask him, Jesus, why did you weep? Why did this cause weeping in you? But, but then they go to the cave, and Jesus says, roll the stone away. And so they roll the stone away, and Jesus says, uh, King James, he says, Lazarus, come forth. And it shows that dead people can't count because Lazarus was the first one to come out of the, out of the grave there all of a sudden. But that's, that's not, that was just King James. Scriptures basically say this, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus gets up in those grave clothes that they've wrapped him in, and he's standing there in the entryway to the cave. And then Jesus says this, Speaking to those that are around him, he says, you unloose the grave clothes and set him free. I thought about that as I was praying about wrapping this thing up on communion. And I never want to add to scriptures. I never want to take away from scriptures. So I was very prayerful as the Lord was bringing this reminder to me. He said, you take off the grave clothes. Jesus alone gave him life. But he asked those in community with him, you take off the grave clothes. What I think the Lord is showing us here is that true life is only in him alone. Only Christ can save you. Only, only his spirit can make you a new creation in Christ. Only he can do that. But you know as well as I do that sometimes we're still having baggage and stuff that we're hanging on to. And we need somebody else in community to help walk us out of those grave clothes into complete freedom. You understand what I'm saying? And so I think that I think that there's a point being made here that we need community because so much of community is let's get together, let's eat, let's talk about things, let's let's have a good time. And we're really not I think it's a struggle in the modern church today that we're not we're not rubbing close enough to with one another to get those grave clothes off. And I think there's three things today. There's probably more but there are three things that I think many of us struggle with those grave clothes that we need others to help us off with. And I'm just going to share with you three of them. I think, first of all, the, some of the grave clothes that some of us are still wearing are the grave clothes of our past. We did something. Abortion, divorce, uh, murder, I don't know what it may have been. Lying, you, you, uh, you abandoned somebody. And then all of a sudden, what has happened is, is that past, you're thinking, oh, I've received Christ as my Savior, someday I'll go to heaven, but right now I'm useless because of my past. And those are grave clothes. And you need somebody to come alongside of you in community that says, let me help you get that stuff off. God has taken care of that past. You do not have to carry it around. If He doesn't carry it around, you don't have to carry it around. Let us help you get those grave clothes off. Number two is the present. Some of us are not walking close powerfully with Christ because of our present circumstances. 
We've still got sin issues. We, listen, we've still got flesh issues that we're working on. We've got stuff on a daily basis that we're, we're walking through and we're thinking, God, there's no way you can use me. Look at me. I am so weak. I'm so helpless. I am not walking in any powerful way. God, I, there's sin in my life. And if other people knew what was going on in my life, they wouldn't love me. And we try to play that game with God. God, if you only knew what was going on in my life, like he can't see it. But yet for others, we think if they only knew, if they only knew what was going on in my life, there is no way they would ever accept me. And so we hold on to those grave clothes. We need somebody in community that comes along to let us know that there's authenticity and there's transparency in that group that all of a sudden we feel the freedom to get rid of those grave clothes that somebody says, listen, I am still struggling in this flesh area. I'm still screwed up in this area. God, I, I need help in this area. I need y'all to help me walk this out. And all of a sudden you hear that and those grave clothes start to fall off you. You're thinking, man, you mean other people are going through the same thing? That I have these thoughts, that I have these struggles that I'm going through and it's okay? And we start finding freedom in that community. The grave clothes of the past, the grave clothes of the present. But I tell you one more that I think is holds back many of us, and it's a grave clothes, and it's this. Is that if I really get serious about surrendering my life to Christ, He's going to turn me into some fanatical weirdo. Oh man, the next thing you know, I'm going to be raising my hand in worship. I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be teaching a class. I'm going to be going to my neighbors and praying with them. I'm going to, I'm just going to be a weirdo, God. I, I want to control this thing. I, I, I want to be the way I am. Yes, I want to go to heaven. Yes, I want to talk about Jesus. But, but really, God, if I get too serious about you, you may change me. You may change me. And I really don't want to be changed. Not realizing that the one who created you and the one who created you for his purposes and the one that loves you immensely more than anybody will ever love you is the one that wants to control your life. What about, what about, I know, I know I've hit somebody today. I know I've hit myself because I've had to wrestle with this ever since the Lord really placed it on my heart. But is it those grave clothes of the past that you're hanging on to? I read a, I read a statement this week that said, uh, that Satan knows your sin. Satan knows your name, but he calls you by your sins. God knows your sins, but he calls you by your name. You're a child of God. But yet we hang on to those grave clothes of the past. Oh, Mark, I had an abortion. Oh, Mark, I, I, I struggled with it. Oh, Mark, I had a divorce. Oh, Mark, uh, man, I did drugs. Oh, Mark, I, I did this. Oh, Mark, you know, when I was in college... Let me tell you something. God has dealt with that past. Okay? But some of you are in that present. You're thinking, Mark, I'm struggling. Man, some of you guys are in this room and thinking, Mark, if you'd have seen what I saw on my computer this week, it's just a wrestle. It's so hard for me. Or somebody is thinking, Mark, my job is just consuming me and I need that money and this is, this is a struggle for me, but I want God to be Lord of my life. And I, or, 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 or I've got these hidden spots that if anybody knew about them. Let me tell you something. I'm telling you, if you find some people that you're transparent with and they're transparent, you're going to find out that that wrestling is pretty common. 
But he has given us his spirit and he's given us each other to walk that out. And as far as the future goes, as far as you're afraid to really turn it over to Christ because you're afraid that he may turn you into some weirdo. What's a weirdo? I, 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 I don't know. What, what is normal? That's a question that we ask so much. What is normal? Uh, I mean, we're not talking, turning you into, into, into some warrior killer type person. I mean, it's, it's the love of Christ that wants to inhabit you in such a way that he can use you to bring others to him. And that's what he wants to do. So here's the deal. Brett, you you come up. You know, as we come to the Lord's table, this is my this is my challenge for you. I, I just want to ask you, before you come to the table, it says, let a man first examine himself. Is it the past? Is it your present? Is it is it the fear of what God may do in your life? He may change you. What are those grave clothes that that you've got that are a struggle? I, I think today is at least a place to start. It's a place to begin. What I'm going to ask is I, I, this. Over the next couple of minutes is just for you to examine yourself. Let the Holy Spirit of God show you. And if you need to come to this altar and kneel, that's fine. I'm going to ask if the pastors and elders that are here will just come. I just want the pastors and elders up here. Some of you don't even know who all the pastors and elders are. But I'm just going to ask you all to come in case someone needs prayer. And, uh, and maybe you, just, you need someone to help you start to remove those grave clothes that are, that are there. So let me pray for you. And, and, and Lord, I pray as we bow before you right now that we would realize you love us in a fanatical way. Lord, you are the God of all creation. And you took care of our sins at the cross through Jesus Christ. You've provided an eternal home. Lord, uh, You have come. It says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but You've come to bring life and to bring it to the fullest. But yet, Lord, we're walking in so many grave clothes. And today, may it be the day that we start hearing the grave clothes fall off, God. And that people will see, help, start helping one another to get into freedom. So, Lord, as we step into this time of heart preparation, will you do your work in our souls and spirit bodies right now? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. If you need prayer, you come.